Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am still in the gush mode because last week was absolutely spectacular. Thank you again and again for the amazing week we had during our fall share. You made it spectacular and exciting, and you uh, believed in the vision of Faith Radio now in our 73rd year, and we are still overwhelmed with gratitude to God and to you for uh, making such an amazing difference in our fall share. So thank you so much. We are back to regular program, which makes me very happy. I love fall share. I love any time we do a share because I feel like we get a chance to hear from you and connect with you, and and that's always fun, but I love uh, getting back to regular programming, and today is no exception. I'm going to start in just a minute by bringing on my friend Patrick Albanese. Then the Monday afternoon mix will happen with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. In hour two, Bev Canaris is going to come on and talk about lying, and then... uh, Chris Palmer, Pastor Chris Palmer, who is our Greek teacher, is going to come on and teach us some Greek. So that's the plan for today. I'm excited that we are enjoying this beautiful Monday, despite an incredible amount of rain here in the Twin Cities. I, my lawn loves it. Uh, my car loves it. Everything loves it. So I'm hoping you are uh, getting some of that much-needed moisture as well. Patrick is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome. Hey, are you, is, are you building an ark? Is that you here off the heck? I'm collecting some gopher wood and some part and some tar pitch, but that's all I've got so far. That's well, Can you tell me? I've always been curious. Uh, what is a cubit? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, welcome back from a uh, 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 the, the big fall share. Yeah, it was spectacular. It was just so much fun, and people were yeah. so generous. Uh, it was really nice to hear from lots of listeners too. Yeah, but of course, we didn't get a chance to do our segment. Now, uh, and the rumor has it, the story I hear is that you got uh, like a like a half a dozen emails uh, from people talking about how um, uh, our segment is their absolute favorite. Uh, none that I'm aware of. Did I forget to hit send again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you did. I do the draft, and you want to space these things out, I guess I just... Of your man technology. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, you can look forward to those emails talking about... Well, thanks for the heads uh, up. Yeah, yeah. They'll be coming from uh, some of your favorite listeners. Uh, Pedro Garcia will be writing it. <laughs> and uh, uh, Philip Wilhelmina. Yeah. They'll, oh, they'll gotcha. Be, I think... Yeah, yeah. They'll be writing in. Well, how exciting, though. You're on the air. You're back. Yeah, it's, it was great. It was a really wonderful week, and it's nice to be back. And um, I'm always thinking about uh, what God is going to be doing in the course of any given week, any given show, because people do show up. And, you know, considering what kind of day, what day they're having or what they need to hear from God, I always pray that that is exactly what they get from the Lord when they tune into Faith Radio. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, we talk about things like this often, at least on a, uh, when we talk to each other personally, 
that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't really hear the answer right away. And then later on, you say, oh, there, there it was. It was there. That was the day. That was the, the time when things happened, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's always a great topic. Yeah, it is. So I, I thought yeah. I thought we could chat a little bit today uh, about this because we we talked about it a little bit over the weekend, and I don't know if we learn this out of um, if we learn this through the through school or through what we just learned as going through life and reaching the age we've reached. But when we look at science, and I'm not projecting anything other than it's just fun to talk about science and how science is open to change because that's how science works, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was always the way it was. Yeah, it always was. I mean, we no longer use asbestos because there were people that questioned the science on it. Yeah, brave. <laughs> but you're talking about the guys with the coughing. <laughs> Those guys who were coughing, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no laughing matter, but we questioned no. the science of that. Yeah. I mean, doctors, they used to be in the cigarette ads. Yes, I, re- boy, I remember that, that, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, just that, you know, they were trying to, you know, sell a product that uh, you might enjoy. They were saying, this is actually good for you. You should be doing this. Right. My, yeah, my, my brother who had rheumatic fever when he was 15 or 16, he was in the hospital and he had 14 friends in his hospital room and they were all smoking and the doctor came in and bummed a cigarette off one of them and lit up. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's, that is, you know, but I, I, I think I was in the hospital uh, a, a couple times as a kid and I remember, you know, people walking around and um, you could request, there were only a handful of them, but you could request the non-smoking room. Oh, wow. In the hospital. Yeah. In a, in a hospital, you okay. could say, you know, do you want, yeah, it's like it was treated more like a hotel, I guess, back then, smoking or not smoking. <laughs> but there you were know. there were brave people that questioned the science behind the smoking. Yeah. How about, yeah. How about pregnant women that decided they're no longer going to take thalidomide because there were people that questioned the science of that. And this was all you, you, stuff that was approved. This was all scientific products that were approved. Yeah, I mean, every FDA drug that has failed and created problems was initially approved. Right. And uh, then later somebody said, I think we're having a problem here. Could you imagine if that person was shut down and they were told, no, 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 no. I mean, granted, that has happened. I think there were people that tried to keep a lid on tobacco for a long time as the truth was, was coming out. And probably the first ones to speak out against it were treated as heretics, you know. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then how yeah. about the Hungarian uh, physician that uh, said that you really should um, wash your hands before surgery? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pro- that's probably a good idea um, because he questioned the science. He was put in an asylum and humiliated. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, and I, I, I'm trying to remember the, 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 the extent of that story, if that was till his dying day. I don't recall if he was uh, able to have a, his moment in the sun before passing to say, you know, you were right. You know, that, that kind of like when Luke Skywalker is talking <laughs> to Darth Vader, says, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he got that. 
you know, I mean, you know, you know the origin of the phrase Mad Hatter's disease. Uh, do you know where that comes from? I vaguely remember. Remind me. Yeah. So uh, the people who made the, the, the hats, chapeaus, chapeauography, oh, yeah. uh, the felt, in order to uh, work with the felt, they used to dip their fingers in a, a substance you might be familiar with that eventually found its way into thermometers called mercury. Yes. And uh, people would say, you know, these people that make hats, they're a little bit loopy. <laughs> Something rather unusual about them, and hence the name Mad Hatter's disease. Hmm. Yeah, it was because the people couldn't – they didn't quite put it together and say, what is it about these hat, these people that make hats that makes them so uh, goofy? Yeah. Maybe just goofy people like to make hats, and that's <laughs> all we need to ask about that. Yeah. Of course, that takes us to the father of modern science. Yes. Of course, that would be Galileo. Uh didn't work out so well for him, did it? Uh, no, it didn't. He was sentenced to in, uh, formal imprisonment um, at the Inquisition. He was commuted to house arrest, which is where he spent the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Amazing. The rest of his life. It, 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 and it's funny, he questioned, uh, you know, the science uh, and and for that, you know, he's exiled in a way. And, and you think, you know, what was the science that he was um, questioning? I mean, it isn't exactly the kind of thing that was, you know, life or death. Like, you know, if you eat, you know, 14 eggs uh, a day, <laughs> it could be bad for your heart. Right. He just said, he goes, you know, I think we might be wrong about how these planets work. There could be maybe we're wrong about some of this stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. we're wrong about you know it isn't like like you'd say well that's it you know people are going to die because of your mistake. <laughs> it, it had you know his ideas weren't really going to affect anybody's day to day life in terms of you know whether they lived long or short or healthy or not. He was just questioning some scientific things, and the other scientists were like, "You fool! Mm-hmm. The world revolves around us." Right, right. Scientists yeah. and what we say. We've had, we, and I know what you're, you're, the point you're getting to is that you know these days we we question. If you question anything, they shut you down. Right, and they make it sound like okay, we finally uh, gotten to the point where science is infallible and never makes mistakes again. Yeah, I mean, questioning I, science is not disrespectful or stupid. It's intelligent. No. It's wise, it's moral, it's mature, and I think that's yeah. something that we have uh, witnessed throughout all of our life. Uh, well, uh, I can just think of a handful of things in our short time here, because we are pretty young. That's true. Um, yeah, compared to Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've been through the, the range of uh, eggs are good, then eggs are bad, and butter is good, and butter is bad, and you know butter was bad, and margarine was good, and then it was like, oh no 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 no, margarine is really bad. Mm-hmm. You don't want that anymore. Uh, you know, I, I I look forward to the day where they say what you really ought to be doing is cooking all your food in that tub of Crisco, but <laughs> 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 that giant tub of lard that mom used to keep on the counter because it was used so much. But, um, yeah, and, and I don't think that'll happen, but, uh, yeah, smoking was good. Salt, good, 
bad. We don't know anymore. Coffee bad. Uh, coffee bad, not coffee's good, which I am very happy about, by the way. Very happy about. When they said, you know, decaf coffee uh, is maybe not so good for you, I said, that eh, doesn't affect me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that, I'm not de- too worried about Yeah, that decaf, that, that's never going to catch on. That's, I mean, yeah, you're never going to hear anyone say, kids, get your feet off the decaf table. <laughs> never going to hear that. Yeah. Right, right. I got, I got the decaf <laughs> uh, table book. Get, oh, the, nice. get the decaf table book out, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's never going to catch on. All right, yeah. now I know uh, it's fun to talk about this stuff because we uh, do like to look back over time and see that there have been uh, science that, that has been questioned, and maybe we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. Patrick Albanese is my guest as we get this Monday started. We will be right back in 90 seconds. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'm back with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from Iowa, the prestigious city of West Des Moines. Patrick, do you find headlines confusing? And does our mind just kind of fill in the blanks, or maybe both? Uh, well, I do think it's both, and I, and I think that there's probably a reason why the person who writes the headline is different than the person that normally writes the article in a paper. Mm-hmm. They say, you know what? Your article is interesting. I'm going to try to get a few more eyeballs to it. How can I deceive people? It's, it just feels like it because of the, the, the way that they hook you sometimes with the headline. And maybe I wonder if there's – I don't want to say sinister motivations – but I wonder if they are aware, I'm sure they are, that some people only read the headline and say, well, that's all I need. I read the paper today. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, we all know that it's uh, the continuation of the story on the next page uh, or page A27. You say, I don't have that kind of time. I can't find that thing. And you start page <laughs> two and you, for, you sort of forget to, like, what was that story I was reading, you know? It's, don't you love that? You say, this headline grabbed my attention. I, have, I must read this story. And yep. you get to sort of the cliffhanger at the bottom of page one. You've got to continue on to page A27. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then you say, well, I'm not going to go right to that page. I'll just start going through. And by the time you get to page A27, you said, I think it was something I was supposed to do here. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was really important a few minutes ago. Yeah. I find headlines a little confusing. And I do find that my brain fills in the blanks. Because when I read a headline like 70-year-old woman breaks marathon world record, I go, whoa, that's impressive. And then, of course, you read, and then the second to the last sentence is she won the world record for females over 70, which is still an incredible accomplishment. But my brain went yeah. my brain went marathon of all marathons, right? A marathon of all marathons, and because uh, you might say if you saw the headline that said 70-year-old woman breaks. Seven-year-old woman record. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, know, you you might say, well, okay, I you know you ran the marathon. I don't know how many people in their seventies are running marathons these days. I don't know any. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, it does take some of the. I don't want to say it's not impressive. It is impressive. Just the fact that she showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I could sit through a marathon. 
you know, I, I mean, as a spectator, it just doesn't strike me as a very entertaining sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you wave one of those big foam fingers on the side? You know, <laughs> you're number one. Yeah. It's like you're the only person in the seven-year-old category. The only thing that's slightly less interesting is to physically be uh, watching luge because I did that at the Winter Olympics in '92 in France, and you get to, you get to stand on one small portion of a luge track, and this neon blur goes by you at about seven <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> And somehow that's your spectating. Yeah, of course. And everybody's wearing a helmet, so you can't even pick out who you, who's your favorite person. They don't have a number. See, I, I think that's Team America. I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh, unless you uh, – maybe it might be more exciting to watch the – what is the, the one-person luge where it looks like they're just like sliding down on their back? Yeah. Like, like a water slide at the amusement park? <laughs> <laughs> You know, there are times I go down those slides at the water park, and I think, "This is why isn't this an Olympic sport? This yeah. is kind of dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this summer I came in first every time going down this one particular slide. Really? You know? Uh, yeah. You know, but my kids, you know, weigh less than half what I weigh, so I think weight might have been my advantage. <laughs> you know, when, when you're the 170 pound guy up there, and everybody else is 42 pounds, right. chances are you're going to get to the bottom of the slide first. But, uh, yeah, the headlines are fun. Yeah. So when you see a headline and your brain fills in the blank, that's probably what's just the human nature uh, because your your brain doesn't like things not completed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I met a guy once. Uh, it, it, it's funny how you can give people just a little – a piece of information they fill everything else in so there was a tv commercial once uh for a new vinyl uh and i don't know if you remember some of those old commercials like tarnex and new vinyl and, and this one started out with we ran this car through 57 consecutive car washes and still the top looks new and uh so i was at a magician's office one day and the guy who sold that stuff was there and uh, I get introduced, and he so this is the guy, you know, from the, the new vinyl guy. And, I, you know, I go, oh, my gosh. And I, and I, so I do the opening line. I go, we ran this car through 57 consecutive car washes, and still the top looks like new. Mm-hmm. And the guy looks at me and says, we never do say if the car wash is turned on, do we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea if he was just pulling my leg or what. I thought, wow, that's an interesting point. <laughs> Yeah, they did. Maybe they ran it through fifty-seven times. Look at that! This thing looks great. Yeah. Yeah, you never. Oh, so, yeah, that's like the headlines. Yeah. yeah, you never know quite what to believe. You never know quite what to believe. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that makes me that makes me laugh. Seventy-year-old or seventy-year-old woman breaks the marathon record. And I, you know, I, it could have just been you read the body of the story and it said, "Yeah, she ate fourteen marathon candy bars in ten minutes." <laughs> <laughs> If they still sell those, that is. Yeah, yeah. No, if they still sell those, but uh, oh my goodness! Did so, I get so? You know, I was in. I had a trip recently, and I got to listen to the radio a lot. And as I'm getting older, you know, you you, you notice how certain things catch your ear these days that didn't catch your ear. You know, it might be certain products where you say, you know, I am interested in that product. I'm very interested in that product. 
But I heard this one ad for Myrtle Beach, which I've never given a second thought. And evidently, it's like a, the golf capital of the country. And uh, they talk about retiring there. And they say, we've got 78 golf courses. And so all of a sudden, I think, oh, my gosh, I now have a goal for the, for the, for the later part of my life to, you know, to plan all 78 of these golf courses. What a cool goal. And, I, and it might be overly optimistic. I don't know if it's achievable for a couple of reasons. You know, first, that, that, that's a lot of golf courses. And second, I mean, I hate golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I don't I, really see that as attainable. I don't see it as attainable. But yeah, it's 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 isn't it funny how you're you know let's say that you 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 know how you hear car commercials all the time uh, on the radio and you just tune them out for this dealer or that dealer. But all of a sudden, when you're in the market for a car, suddenly they they actually you pay attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the Bible's like that? Do you think that you know sometimes you say I'm just going to go out there. Give my message, and you know you mentioned that you alluded to that at the beginning. You hope you hope that you know people are tuning in, and maybe they're hearing what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And and maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day you you know you you put out a passage that you said a hundred times, but today's the day somebody says, "I've never really heard that heard that before." Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you need a little distraction because you've had a rough day, and it feels good to laugh. I met a friend of mine. One of my dearest friends on Saturday morning, he buried two brothers within 28 days. And he sent, oh, me, a, he sent me a text after a three-hour breakfast and said, um, thank you for all the laughter. It was very healing. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's always a, a tough call to, you know, know when something might be appropriate and you never know when somebody wants to hear uh, Somebody that we both actually know, I was listening to a, a podcast with Lance Burton, who did 30,000 shows in Las Vegas, 30,000. And the interview asked him if there was any that stand out, and he remembered one, and it was when he brought a kid up on stage that couldn't walk. He didn't know that. And he went and he grabbed the kid, and he realized he had to pick him up and bring him to the stage. And 30 years and 30,000 shows under his belt, but that moment stuck out. Just that one, you say, oh, my gosh. And, you know, he says, I go backstage, everybody's crying because they said what you did with that kid. And the family was crying because, you know, here's a kid that's always overlooked, never gets invited to do anything. And you had him as the star of the show. And he he goes, 30,000 shows. That's the one you remember. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Very great story. All right, Patrick, thanks so much for... uh, for being on the show today. I look forward to our visit next week. Have a great day. Uh, Thanks, you too. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get things started on a little bit of a lighter note. I hope uh, you're having a great Monday so far. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, you can bet the Monday afternoon mix is ready and ready to go. Afternoon mix. It's happening. Yes, right it now. is. 
Here we are. Here we are. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what, do, what, what do we usually say? I forget. The Monday afternoon mix. We say something mix, like that. We say something mix, mix, mix. mix yeah, mix, something, something like that. We're just, uh, we're still coming out of fall share, which was unbelievable. Crazy. Can I just say how yes. excited we are of what happened last week with the amazing generosity that came from so many people. That is a huge thing. And, you know, it's always so amazing the little, very small glimpses that God gives us of the impact that we have in people's life. So just how much more exponential are our listeners and their generosity and how much God is doing in the lives of people as they listen day to day during the drive by And Bill, Rosie, a lot of people, they tap in and stream. Oh, I know. Oh, Faith yeah, Talk ever. Radio, KTS. Yeah. That's people, super great. David, people have said this show makes them very happy. They love you. I just, it's not only the impact that we get to have fun being with in people's living rooms and their cars and their special moments. To me, gosh, the hope that God is doing something to counter the culture we're in, right? Like the temperature in the world is, is rising with things that are not of him, but he has a plan. David, he's got Faith Radio across the globe and we haven't even advertised, right? We haven't advertised there and yet donations came in from all over the globe and it's amazing to me and they're listening on the app and they're listening online and he's getting the Holy Spirit is reaching people where they are and he's doing it by a host of vehicles and we get to be one of them. And here we are Monday afternoon mix Pastor David Miles also known as PDM Rosie B that's the team we're and Bill Arnold yeah and we're studying the Sermon on the Mount and we we started this I don't know two, three months ago. And last time we were on together, we had Dr. Clarence Schuler with us. We're talking about divorce and remarriage. And we continue on our study of the Sermon on the Mount, and I think it brings us to oaths. Well, you know, Bill, that's actually a great segue into oaths, our time with Dr. Schuler, and really appreciate his love for our church family and our radio listening family and the body of Christ to come. But one of the things that we were talking about, divorce and remarriage, actually comes into this very next section because it deals with oaths. It deals with vows. It deals with the things that we say before the Lord. And so why don't we jump into reading God's Word because we're all about God's Word up in here. Please do. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the devil, or comes from evil. Comes from evil. All right, David, I got to say, this is a little bit of a challenging passage for me, so I'm looking for insight. How many yeah. times do we say that? I mean, how many times do we, I know this is tied to so much more, but just in the simplest form, how many times do we say, I will never, or I can't? Isn't that sort of an oath? Like well, it's a vow. It's a an, vow. Yeah. It's similar though, isn't yeah. it? Like I, I can't, I'll never smoke. By God's grace, you'll never smoke, right? right. Yep. It's, it's like trying to do it. To me, this, you know, where it says it's from evil, to me, it, it's a little bit tied to pride. Is that yeah. right, David? Yeah, and, and pride, and sometimes it's it's even our desire to protect self, 
you know, because some people are like, you know, I will never do this again from a from a deep wound. Um, you know, I remember a person that had a big impact in my life was someone who had shared at a ministry that we had had our church. We had some people in visiting. It was for people who um, who were praying. Individuals had testimony like Rosario Butterfield, who had been more in an alternative lifestyle. And one of the gals that had shared, she shared the story about, you know, growing up, her mom passed away. And when her mom passed away, she talked about how her dad comforted her younger sister, but wouldn't comfort her. And she said, as I was standing by the mantle, I looked and I said, I will never let a man see me cry or be hurt again. And she journeyed her, her descent in her relationship and walking away from the Lord. And it really what really transformed her was working as a, a nurse in a hospital and watching people where they did everything medically possible and those people would die and then there'd be people where there's no way they should have lived and there'd be these people praying. And so God used that to minister. But she talked about the whole issue about making vows and the power of them. And uh, you're right, Rosie. I mean, like God confronted me on a vow in my life, even out of that time when this person was sharing at our church. But you're right. We, we make a number of vows like, you know, I'll, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And sometimes in, in the negative or a lot of times in the negative. Well, let's just be honest. I use my example because I indeed said that very word. My sisters all smoked. My dad hated it. And I said, you know, and he said, well, you know, in his unhealthiness, we've, of course, healed through this point. But he said, well, you, you'll probably be just like your sisters. And I'm like, the heck I won't, <laughs> you know, but it came out of pride. And the Lord had to convict me to say, you know, I'm the one who gives you the strength not to pick that up. Right. And yeah. and you're saying you're going to do it on your own. Well, let me tell you, that's that's not of me. So, yeah. And my own much, personal experience with that vow. And how much like a vow, because like sometimes like scripture speaks to things that seem like a little bit less than a vow. We've talked about this passage before in James chapter five, mm-hmm. you know, and James says to the person, you know, or, look, you you who say that you're going to do this and that and the other. Um, I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to go to that city. And you're not necessarily making a vow. You're just making plans. And he says, do you not know that your life is but a vapor? Instead, you ought to say if it's the Lord's will. And so sometimes we presume upon God's grace or like you said, we want to be in control. But just to temper that, it isn't always from a completely negative, you know, like a prideful thing that we're like, I'll never, I'll never do that. Um, Sometimes it is because People have really been wounded, and they're just Indeed. in such a reaction. They're like, I'm never going to do that again. Indeed. And you meet people, and Bill, you work with addiction where you've, you've met and worked with guys and gals where they've said, you know, I said I'd never, ever do this. I'd never be like this person. And and then they, sometimes people, they don't. They draw a line, and they say, God, help me with your grace. And sometimes people, they end up amazed, and they're like, wow, mm-hmm. I've become just like this this person. Yeah, I'm afraid that vows, when you make them, that aren't from the Lord, uh, you're giving the enemy a foothold. Absolutely. You're creating a space on which the enemy can have an advantage to say, oh, so that's how you feel. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure that never happens because people, and I want to invite listeners to send a text right now because I'm real curious if you have made a vow yourself and you you don't have to tell me what the vow was, but did you make a vow that you uh, realized in your life you should not have made. I mean, that whole idea that I will never let my heart get broken again. I will never, ever do this. I will never. And I think you're inviting the enemy in, um, in a way. Well, and, and to, to your point, David, 
because it sometimes the vows it's protection, right? It's coming out of a place of deep wounding, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's out of pride. But isn't pride a deep wounding of your true identity, right? So, I mean, isn't it all coming from our humanness that we try to do on our own? And it's you know very much like the very first sin. Right. Like if if we could trust God that he has everything for us, even when we've been wounded deeply. I I feel like we walk with him in a different space of surrender versus, you know, self-protection, really. And and so to me, it kind of all comes down to a wounded place and not knowing who we are in God. And he's so gracious and generous. I know when he first taught me about vows and how many I had made out of pride and selfishness and woundedness, that was the beginning of him working on my identity and trust. Yeah. And and we, we will find ourselves saying, wow, this was really, really bad. And it's like, and I, 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 I want to protect myself. And there's healthy boundaries, and sometimes but we're like, I want to protect myself, and I don't want to love. And so sometimes you have people where they don't want to love anyone. They've, they've drawn a stake in the ground, and, and I wish I could show our listening audience, but it's kind of like they put their hand out, and they have their hand doing this thing like, come to me, come to me, but underneath stop their come, hand, stop yeah, yeah. underneath their hand is giving a stiff arm. Right. And sometimes people don't realize that they have made these various types of vows in their life, you know. You know, I'll never let someone see me hurt again. I will never trust another person, you know. Well, fine, God, if this is how you're going to be, uh, then, you know, you're, you're not doing it my way, so I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, so that those things really, they do make an impact upon our lives, and they really, they do a lot more than we imagine. Bible says that, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And there's some people that kind of stretch that way too far, but there's a truth. I mean, like, words are, you know powerful mm-hmm. you know and i will say the vows that i made that i realized i shouldn't have made i repented and confessed that sin to the lord and felt like i was able to leave it at the foot of the cross and be relieved of that uh, Amen. vow Amen. so i want to encourage you if you said yeah i've made vows that today is a day that we're going to let go of these vows we're going to ask the lord to uh to take this vow that you made and and let it be sifted through his gentle hands that's the beauty of repentance. Yes, isn't it? it is. That's the yeah. beauty of a, a living relationship with Christ because, you know, once He lands your heart, you can't help but know your own sinful nature. And His grace just, He just has that way of covering you. So I always think of myself like, you know, if you're an animal lover, you have a, and your puppy or, you know, gets into something they shouldn't. Right? And they put their do- their tail between their legs and their ears back, but yet they still come to you and they're still looking at you with like loving eyes. Yeah. I feel like that's often the way I'm approaching the throne. Like, I know he loves me so much and I, I want to come to him with those places of repentance so that he can forgive and heal and his grace, you know, can cover me so that you move into a new day. Right. It's su- such a position of loving strength with him. Yeah, and that whole part of just really surrendering to God's will. To, and sometimes it's required doing some very, very difficult uh, things. But what, again, what we, we, we don't always see is that when we come to the point of saying, like, I can't do this, and there's a gap between what God's asking and the gap, what we don't see is that Jesus is bet- between the gap, and he's wanting to carry us, and he's saying, no, you can't do this. You know, you can't do it. 
but I can do it through you. And that part of the pride is that sometimes we really want to stay self-sufficient because as Larry Crabb said in his book, Connecting, we've learned to trust no one. To trust another person we conclude is suicide. And so, and he, he like put that in the introduction of his book, Inside Out. And so sometimes that thing is just like, you know what, I'd rather be the captain of my own soul, or the, you know, the captain of my own ship versus really give myself. And so oaths also in this passage have a mind taking authority, mm. you know. And so instead of letting God have rightful authority in our life, we want to take it. You are listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B., we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We are in Matthew um, chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. If you're following along, we're talking about oaths. When we come back, I want to ask David uh, more about oaths, and I want to delve into some of these uh, line-by-line verses. Uh, we'll take a short break and be right back. David Miles has joined me here in studio with Rosie B. And we are talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We've reached the passage in Matthew chapter 5 where we're talking about oaths, O-A-T-H-S, vows. I want to know what that verse 33 means, David. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Well, Bill, one of the things when it says, you've heard it said, this is actually written out of uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And, uh, you know, it, it goes in verse 11, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie with one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Now, Leviticus 19 opens up with the whole part where the Lord says, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so think of the integrity of God and his holiness and that any deviation from that holiness is that which is false. And so he begins to unpack this issue then in verse 9 of Leviticus 19, and he talks about loving your neighbor, you know. And so we've talked before about the importance of truth in a relationship and truth. So like Ephesians uh, 4, 15, it says, speak the truth in love. It's actually a participle, and it says, truthing in love. Literally mm. that in word and deed, mm. everything that we're doing should be in love. Because what breaks down a relationship? Falsehood. Going back to our previous thing, it was making an oath to be one with this person and saying that to you I pledge myself only, but through lust you're giving your eyes to another. Through divorce you're giving yourself to another person. And so God, is, God has this, this picture about not swearing falsely uh, to me. It's, it's not stating your volition, will, and intent in one way and then flipping on those things. And acting another. Yeah, because, you know, I, you know, it's like you've heard it say that your word is your bond, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like back in the day people would say like, well, you know, did you sign a contract? And it's like, no, my word is my bond. We shook hands on it. And, and if you don't have your word, 
What do you have? And so that's where the issue about lying is such a massive thing. And so, you know, lying to the Lord. You see it in Acts 5 with um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They had the freedom to do with the money and give as they want to, but they, they gave the, they gave the um, impression that they had given more, and, and Peter and those guys called them out, and they, like, dropped dead. You know, that seems really extreme, but there's something about God's holiness as an integrity that matters. So, guys, God takes seriously um, his, his word. He takes seriously about making oaths. In Joshua chapter 9, um, you know, after Joshua renews the covenant in chapter 8, they go into the hill country, and when they come, the inhabitants of Gideon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I. And with cunning, they came out to the people and they said, hey, we're from a distant land. You know, we've been traveling so hard. You know, look, our, our bread is dry and crusty and all that. Will you make a covenant with us? Now, what's interesting about it is earlier God told him, don't make a covenant. Don't make a treaty. Don't pledge yourself in an oath to another person. When you read Joshua 9, they didn't seek the Lord. Other places and passages it says, and they sought the Lord. Here, they didn't seek the Lord. And then they did. They made a covenant with them. And, and actually, in verse 14 of 9, it says, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. So they make a covenant with the Gibeonites. Then they find out these guys are lying. And they say to themselves, you know what? We're going to go to war, and we're going to kill them. God says, nope, can't do it. They're like, what do you mean? He's like, no, you made a covenant with them. You, you vowed and you made an oath with them that you would not treat them this way. Mm-hmm. And so literally, they weren't able to, to attack, you know. And one of the things is to think through, like, biblically sometimes. Now, now the statement I'm about to make in relating to this, this, this is a kingdom statement versus kind of our own cultural statement. So, for example... Um, you know, I had someone ask me over the weekend after a message, they came and they said, so like, are you a patriotic church? And I'm like, you know, my dad served 21 years, eight months. We love the Lord. We love the church. I said, but ultimately we love the kingdom of God most because God exists in the heavens and the earth. And if the earth and all of the heavens cannot contain God, how can one nation, one city, or one continent, or even one church denomination contain the living God of the universe? So this statement is, 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 a, is really much a kingdom statement. If it says, let our yes be yes and our no be no, and if we're not to swear falsely, what do we do as a nation with the indigenous people of this country where we made 400 treaties to them and we broke every single one of them? Mm. Now, some are just going, eh. but that part of wanting to claim a Christianity and say that, now this is kingdom. Now, I love my country. And I, I tell people, I love, I love New Hope Church, but at the end of the day, it's not about New Hope Church. It's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, so God takes serious so much that he said to the Gibeonites, hey, guys, you're not going to go and attack these people because you didn't seek me. You made a covenant. So in the New Testament, we talk about not being unequally yoked. So, so that's kind of what this idea of faring, uh, swearing falsely, the idea of making a covenant and breaking it. And, and so he goes from this picture of marriage, of breaking covenant in your heart through lust, of breaking covenant through the actual act of divorce, and then breaking the act of covenant and oaths 
and a whole bunch of other things and claiming authority in this way. And God's like, you know, no, no. Really, it should be enough, like, your yes is yes and your no is no. And how much trouble would we, would we, would we save ourselves, like the old folks say, if, if, we, if we said what we meant and meant what we said? I, you just, just as I'm looking at you say that, I can just see a picture of my dad. Because that's what he would always say. He would raise his eyebrow and he would say that. He goes, mean yeah. what you say and say what you mean. And then he would throw in, I don't chew my cabbage twice, which is really, oh <laughs> which is really old school. But that it took is. me so long to figure that out. And I think it came, you know, I know it came from because his word was so strong, he doesn't have to say it again. Right. Yeah. I don't have to ask for reassurance. And, and a lot of times with us kids, we didn't also know, we also knew not to push the boundary. Right. <laughs> so, and I think the Lord, what you're saying is the Lord saying this, like, if you're going to make a covenant, you have to make it the way I make it because you are a reflection of me and I don't break my covenant. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of times, and this is going to be maybe an uncomfortable moment for people, but here we say we love God's word. Also, we love you too much to play games with you. Honestly, take a moment, even as you're driving, as you're listening to this, as you come tonight at the end of, end of the night, and, and say to the Lord, Lord, where in my life have I made a vow or vows to you that sit undone? You know, there are some, and, and grateful, like my dad who served in the military, where they made vows and said, God, if you deliver me out of this situation, I will serve you with all of my life. And then afterwards, God delivered and then got back and said, nah, I'm going to be like Frank the Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. But here's what, what Ecclesiastes, Solomon Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4. He says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hand? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. And so the importance, too, when it's coming to this whole issue of vowing, um, it's important to understand before an audience of one that, that matters most. David, this is powerful. You are really uh, speaking such truth of God's word when it comes to uh, speaking truth and and letting your simple yes be yes and no be no, and how seriously God takes um, the fact that we need to speak the truth in love all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I and I've had to come to my kids and to my wife and say, Hey, I'm sorry. Because, like, sometimes even we don't realize what we'll say things like, okay, when are you going to be home? Well, you know, I'll be home at 6 o'clock, but then come in at 7.30, you know. And uh, a friend of ours, uh, Dr. Ed Uzinski, I remember he works with Family Life, and he said one time at a marriage conference, that was one of the things. He was asking Amy, his wife, about, you know, where do you feel love or a lack of trust? And she said he was thinking something like it'd be like, you know, <laughs> are your eyes right? All these things right. like, you know, money. And she's like, no, when you say you're going to be home at a time, you're not. That, that's that's a, a breaking of trust. And so I'll say this. The importance of making a vow that it is to the Lord. Um, there was a period of time where I said, Lord, I'll marry whoever you want me to marry. And absolutely cool. And that whoever you bring into my life. 
And then going through some stuff in college with racism and stuff, I said, I'm not marrying a woman unless she's Florence Griffin's joiner, because I was a track All-American. <laughs> she had an MDiv, yeah. and she was a black woman. But this woman I told you earlier who had come out of alternative lifestyle and agreed our church, that day that she talked, she said, hey, by the way, some of you have made vows, and let's pray. And I remember sitting in Salem Evangelical Free Church, the sanctuary. We bowed our heads, and it was only though God and I were there. And David said, David, let's talk about this vow that you made about who you'd marry. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, you're right. And that day I did two things. I repented of it, and I rescinded it. And I said, Lord, my life is yours, whoever you want. And then after a period of time, God brought Tammy into my life. That's my bride. But here's the thing, last comment on oath. A book I read called The Marriage Covenant, it talked about first in marriage, we make a vow first to the Lord in our marriage vows before we make it to our spouse. So I said to Tammy, my oath and vow to you as a husband is superseded by my oath and vow to the Lord of being your husband. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Is. That is all the time we have for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles, pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and Rosie B. We're continuing our study on this fabulous Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons that's ever been preached. Um, we'll take a short break and be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.